Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we are excited to bring you a valuable episode. I'm sitting here on the call with high-performance hypnotist, Nick Aguirre. Nick, thanks for jumping on, man. Thanks for having me, Ted. Absolutely. And I also, and I like that we were able to be transparent before hopping into the recording because I hear a title like high performance hypnotist. And I want to let the audience know I come with a little skepticism here. I've never been hypnotized before and I'd like to get into the nitty gritty of that. But before we jump in, definitely want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience, who you are, what you do and what brings you on the podcast today. So please, the floor is yours. Absolutely. First, I want to say you almost certainly have been hypnotized, but we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. So what's going on, guys? Nick Aguirre, high-performance hypnotist. I live here in Austin. I've got this company, Apex Mind Coaching, where I help leaders, entrepreneurs, and salespeople to maximize their performance and results. And one of the key tools that I use is hypnosis. So I'll work with people to help them break down issues like time management, stressors, bad habits, sleep schedule, anything that's getting in the way of their highest performance. Now, my first question is, how do you, how does this become something you do? I notice a trend with a lot of entrepreneurs that have been on the podcast or whatnot. Some of the skills that they offer to the world were solutions to problems that they themselves once had. So how did you, I guess, fall into this and find this niche into helping high achievers even up their productivity? 100%. So some people will say uh, your mess is your message or something to that extent. And I'm here to say people get interested in things like mindset and, and personal development, personal growth are oftentimes some of the most challenged people earlier on in their lives. And that was 100% the case for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm half Peruvian. My dad's from Peru. And, you know, the equivalent is that our ancestors had shamans, right? And this witch doctors and shamans was kind of the equivalent of a hypnotist. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. They believed in something that was called the shaman's sickness. And supposedly the spirits would select the worthy individual to become the shaman. In order to do that, they get very sick. They suffer a disease of the body, the mind, the spirit, emotions. And then that person has to go and heal themselves back to wellness or to earn the right to be a shaman. And that's a little bit uh, esoteric or or it's a little bit historical, but so let's take it into today. What I'm going to say is that for most of my life, my mind was my enemy. Mm -hmm. I was a slave to my mind and it was kind of running the show. I was letting a lot of my thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and things like that get in the way of my success and my happiness and um, kind of just believing that it was always going to be that way. So I'd sought a lot of solutions in, in conventional places that you look in, you know, in medicine, in, I don't know, fitness and getting a community counseling, therapy, whatever is the case and with very limited success. And it's kind of when I, when I start to break into other modalities and look into like, no, let's go off the rails a little bit and see what's out there. I started to get into things like, you know, mindfulness, meditation, hypnosis. So it's kind of catapulted me into like the personal development 
world and getting into that arena and learning how does this all work and why are we here? And you start to realize it's like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's you're in this room full of people and no one is there because everything turned out perfectly in their life and they got everything they want, right? And that's just the, the reality is these are people who wanted more, who had challenges. So I thought maybe it might be useful to kind of tell what, what was the, the moment that I made this decision you know, if you if you like to go into that, because yeah. you got to wonder, how do you just become him and say, like, how does someone you know decide so that, right? When you describe the journey of this the shaman getting sick and having to heal themselves in, in order to heal others, yeah, I could see the you know the historical and exoteric application of that. But in reality, what we see in our world today, it's you know, people who go through hardships in a certain arena are usually the most equipped to help somebody else in that. Almost like someone who has to unfortunately go through divorce before they, not that they have to, but someone who's gone through divorce, who's now helping others manage the process of going through it. They went through that storm. They got sick. They healed themselves. Now they heal others. It's almost like we feel and see that application in our everyday world, even though it might not be described in such of that exoteric sense. What was that switch for you where you decided like, hey, this is the avenue I'm going to jump into? And then what exactly is hypnosis in its definition? Sure. So I'll, I'll answer that first question of how did I get into all this? And then if I get off the rails, just bring me back on the on that second question. So, you know, I, I reached kind of this this point when I was still in graduate school and is very directionless and I'm not sure what I want to do with my life. And when I reached kind of a, you know, a mental low of like, you know, I can't deal with this chaos in, in, in my head here, I'll do anything. And that's kind of where I started exploring more options and, you know, maybe have some success with this. And, it, you know, it's a lot of like small increments and, you know, got, got a lot better, but there was still an unfulfilled kind of hole in me, which was the, the career or the purpose. So I had, you know, made progress in my physical health was better. The mental health was better. It was feeling a lot better. It was, you know, living by myself, fully self-sufficient, had, you know, overcome many challenges, but still like to, to not know what you're going to want to do with your life is, is that's a big one, right? It's just kind of from day to day. So I had a, I had a pretty good job. I uh, really loved this job and I was a professor. So I used to teach communications I went straight out of graduate school into teaching. So I became a lecturer pretty young and it was fun. But then also there's like that, that thing of what am I going to do? And it was useful to, to learn how people think, to learn about communication, to teach it and to do a lot of public speaking. So that was all really, really good, like set up for this. And as a teacher, you know, you, when you're a professor, you go usually fall and spring. So you have the rest of the year to do whatever. So one of my favorite things to do is to just go to conferences and travel and try and uh, see speakers and pick up some new skills and thought about starting a business, but I didn't really have any ideas. So this all blew open in one day. It all changed from one day to the next. I was there at a conference and they said, you know, this is a, it's a social media marketing convention. They said, we have a late show tonight and there's going to be a hypnotist. And I thought that's very weird. And like, I don't know, like, is that for real? I'm not sure. So he, 
yeah, I, I had quite a bit of skepticism and I didn't really know what to expect, but I thought like, oh, you know, whatever, I'm not doing anything, check it out. So I go there and, and what happened next, it just utterly blew my mind. So if you've never seen this sort of thing before, a stage hypnotist is usually a professional entertainer. So this is not like a hypnotherapist or someone who does what I do, but it's usually someone whose job is to you know, use hypnosis to create a, an engaging show. So when you think about people barking like dogs and all that stuff, this is kind of the more what you'd expect there. Which I still don't yeah. buy, <laughs> but let's continue. Like, I don't sure. see myself barking like a dog because of the snap of a finger, but... <laughs> Sure, sure. We'll we'll unpack that a little bit and the elements that actually drive someone to to do that, you know, to respond to that suggestion, who would do that, who would not, and what were the conditions. But so so anyways, yeah, we're there. And the bottom line is when you're doing a show like this, you're selecting certain people for the show who usually have an extraordinary like imagination or focus that allows them to visualize or enter this, this trance state that most people cannot enter so immediately. So that's usually the, the first premise here. So the hypnotist is performing there. And as you're watching, you know, he'll give a, a suggestion. For example, you guys are playing in an orchestra. You're going to pick up this invisible instrument. You're going to start to play it. And, you know, as I'm watching, I'm kind of trying to figure this out where my mind is at is like, I'm thinking like, okay, it's like, I'm watching a magic show and I want to figure out how they, you know, did the trick or whatever. Like I, in my mind, I'm thinking it's all, well, it's all like a trick or something. So how did they do it? So the first thing, you know, you're watching people playing an invisible instrument and I'm, it's kind of like, well, they could be playing along. Right. So maybe what I'm speculating at this point is maybe they just pick like the most complicit people or they just pick the people that, that would go along and they're just kind of acting. Right. But then that, that theory starts to not hold as much. And this is kind of one of the places where it felt, felt apart. You know, as I'm getting a little closer, I can notice in these people, there's a distinct change in like their, in their face and their, in their motor movements being different, that they're, they're clearly in a different state. It's kind of like this dazed sleepwalking state. So that's the first thing I notice. The second thing I noticed is the hypnotist, he gives everyone a number, one, two, three, four, five. He says, next time you open your eyes, odd numbers, you're watching the funniest movie you've ever seen in your entire life. Even numbers, you're watching the saddest, most tragic movie you've ever seen in your entire life. And when people awaken, and by the way, there's no movie. These people are so immersed, they're, they're visualizing and essentially hallucinating this. But you're seeing people that are laughing hysterically at nothing and people that are like crying, you know, as grown men, like taking their glasses off, like wiping tears away. And I'm just thinking like, that's pretty hard to fake because these are not like actors. These are our small business owners in this thing. I'm just like, I don't know if I could like laugh or cry like that on command if I was just faking. So was, you're on the outside looking in during this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was a spectator. And it's just like, that's I was like, that's weird. But like that got my curiosity and I was like, something's going on here. And so the thing though, that probably, you know, really sealed the deal for me, or at least left me open to this was like, there's a gentleman and there's his, his girls there. So the gentleman is hypnotized. He's a subject and his, uh, his girls in the audience. So the hypnotist approaches this woman and he says to her, is this your husband up here? And she says, Oh no, that's my boyfriend. He says, Oh, Okay. How long have you guys been together? She says, mm, about four years. He says, mm, okay, it's a pretty long time. How, how come he hasn't asked you the question yet? And she's like, I don't know. Just, it's not the right time, this or that. He pauses for a second. He goes, do you want me to fix this for you? Sweetie, I'll fix this right now. And she goes, 
oh my god yes so I'm, I'm thinking like what the hell there's no way so he but he goes over to to the man and you know gives him the suggestion this guy just pops up instantly with no inhibition and like addresses the entire room and saying you know i have this announcement turns to her and says you know whatever her name is i love you i want to spend the rest of my life with you will you marry me and her face i can't even describe this woman was so happy i've never seen so much so happy in my entire life i'm just watching this whole thing go down i'm like is this for real is this like it's unbelievable it blew my mind so i couldn't sleep that night i was instantly obsessed i was finding a lot more and more of my time going into this so that's kind of what began the long long transition into doing hypnosis that's kind of like what brought me into it and what broke through some of that skepticism but like just imagine you know at the beginning of the day it's like you don't believe in this thing and then at the end of it you see all this stuff we left with so many questions mm-hmm. so i started digging into it and you know the next question you had was well what is hypnosis exactly what's the definition and you know, how, how does this work is that kind of yeah where, where you wanted to unpack okay yeah it's kind of like so like what happened in that moment that made that man propose what happened mm-hmm. in that moment that made those people cry or made them right. laugh what is that that puts them in the trance and mm-hmm. how can you access that sure totally so there's a lot of like in the media hypnosis usually gets portrayed as this very like dramatic and sensationalized thing and usually it's it's not it's not the case so the fact of the matter is it's it, the name of the game is suggestion and we're all responding to suggestions constantly we have to in order to learn in order to communicate to to work together right we take suggestions from our environment we check the weather app and it tells you it's 70 degrees outside that's a suggestion. They have suggested to you that it, who knows it's not 69 degrees. Well, you're a meteorologist, so you're, you probably have thought, <laughs> so you, uh, you probably have thoughts on this, right? But right. These are all suggestions, you know, so everything is suggestion when it, when it comes down to it. Then the question is which suggestions take and which don't. So this is where we bring in the trance. What decides if they take or they don't? Yeah. So it's basically the degree to which you're in the trance and then there's other factors too. So let me cover the trance first. So we go in and out of trance all day long. And what this looks like for some people is if you've ever been driving down the road and you just blow past your freeway exit and mm-hmm. you know that sign is, is 12 feet high, but you miss it because your attention is immersed in something else. Something else has pulled you in. Or when people are looking for their phone or their glasses or something, it's right there in their hand because they're, they're in a trance state, kind of dazed out. And the most common example, perhaps, is social media, where people are scrolling on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, what have you, and they just get pulled into it. And that's constantly being suggested. Recommended videos on YouTube, those are suggestions. Mm -hmm. So what makes someone suggestible is there's going to be a natural sort of bell curve that that suggestibility follows, where some people are on the high end or the low end in the middle. But at the end of the day, we all respond to something somehow. Some people might be more visual. Some people might be more uh, kinesthetic, uh, more auditory. And then there's conditions that make you more likely. So I like to use examples of um, one example would be if people are in some kind of holy place or um, a church or something like that. And this is not meant as comments one way or the other on religion, just using a familiar example. So if I, um, you know, I'm a devout believer in uh whatever and i go to this you know the church or the house of worship certain things i'm going to see create sort of an environmental immersion or environmental hypnosis so there's going to be these 
you know, holy figures and stained glass. There's going to be candles and music and, and things that kind of put you in this different state. There's going to be a person on a raised platform with special clothes. Those are indicators of authority. What is it that puts us in that state, though? So there, there's the the trance where I know what it's like driving down the highway, going from a certain exit, and I know it's 15 minutes from where I am to that exit, and all of a sudden, in the blink of eye, I'm there, and I don't even remember the previous few exits. I probably was just in a trance driving. But mm-hmm. how do you access that? I guess it's kind of like when you're moving subconsciously, you're not even sure how you're going about how do you access that? And how do you actively put someone else in that trance, I guess? Because sure, we might be able to do it to ourselves and things that that are around us put us there. But how can you actively just say, hey, you're in this trance now? Sure. So the the bottom line is it's pretty hard to go and like make somebody do something they really don't want to do without the right conditions. But you can kind of stack these different conditions. So one would be authority where we respond to authority. So if somebody says to me, you've got a sinus infection, the homeless guy on the street comes up to me and says, you got a sinus infection. I say, uh, okay, I don't know about that. Right. And I don't take that suggestion. A doctor in a white coat says, you got a sinus infection. I'm probably going to believe them. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. I got no idea. But there's going to be times when we don't have all the information and we look to our environment and to our surroundings for clues. So like the weather example, for example, that, you know, I, I check that app because I trust it or media or news. We look for clues. So having somebody as an authority in the first place that they're listening or they're portrayed as an expert is going to make people more open or more suggestible. Then there's emotional overloads. So what these are is basically things that kind of get you more into fight or flight or get you more into that primitive mind. So I mentioned, you know, candles and music and things like that. Any kind of thing that breaks a pattern, that's an interruption from what you expect, common examples. So if I turn off the video and turn it back on for a second, if someone doesn't expect that, that's be like pattern interrupt. And there's a moment of like, huh, wait, what happened? Where we kind of reorient for a second. So if you ever are going down a hallway and you see like 40 people running in the opposite direction as you terrified, you're probably going to run in that direction too and not ask too many questions. So we're looking for clues. So I think you get a premise of how and why people are taking some suggestions from what's around them. Mm -hmm. More specifically, hypnosis in the state, what you're doing is this is a very maternal, very nurturing, very lulling practice where you take someone very softly into this gentle state using imagery, using the voice, using words, ideas, and you're getting them more progressively relaxed physically, mentally. And when someone is very relaxed, they're going to enter this trance state where they're still awake and they're still aware, believe it or not, still in control, but they're more open and they're more focused on an imagination. So the things that you see in hypnosis that you visualize are so amplified and so vivid. It's like a dream in real life. When you see something that's so crazy in a dream, you can't hardly believe it till you wake up. It's accessing that same part of us to make those things a reality. So the way, for example, that you would use this is if someone is a business owner, entrepreneur, and they want to see themselves as having a certain income goal, they need to get themselves into that state where they're not in that critical conscious thinking mind, 
where they are in the subconscious and to create that very vivid and powerful image of themselves already achieving that result and internalizing that and maybe through some repetition. And that's what's going to create the change on the subconscious level. All right. So you're having that relaxation kind of put us into the beta waves almost and more, more susceptible to that. What exactly is the subconscious and why does it kind of hold the strings? Yeah, great question. So 90 plus percent of our behavior is subconscious. And the reason that it is this case is it has to be. There's way too many things for us to keep track of, and we need to rely on some shortcuts and some patterns to be efficient and to keep us in balance or homeostasis. So it asks the question, like, imagine if you had to blink your own eyes manually. Imagine if you had to breathe every breath manually, that it makes no sense. We're, since we've been using the car example, the number of things that a person does when they first learn to drive a car versus after three months driving, right? You go, do you think about unlocking it, getting in, putting the key in the ignition, seatbelt, all that? We we do them automatically because you don't, it takes way too much decision-making, way too much bandwidth to do those things consciously. So the subconscious is designed to make us efficient and take those shortcuts. But the problem is when people get stuck in these patterns. And the broad metaphor that I use for people, when you're looking at how do you create these changes and, and what is that really, I say someone... Imagine that you're an actor, right? This is the subconscious. Imagine that you're an actor. You are the greatest actor of all time. You can do any role, comedy, drama, romance, action. And up till now, you've been playing a part. You've been playing a role. So what are some of the roles that people play? I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm the victim. I'm the hero. I'm the good guy, bad guy. I'm the follower. I'm the leader. I'm this person. I'm that person. So it's an identity. So if you watch four seasons of Breaking Bad and you haven't seen season five, well, based on what you've seen of the character up to this point, you can kind of predict what might happen, what might not. There's a circle of expectations that you can expect the behavior to fall in. So if somebody wants to change so dramatically, it's not going to easily happen if you're not like this character up until now wouldn't suddenly do this. If this is a character, a person who doesn't ask for things they want and need and know they deserve their whole life, why are they going to suddenly start? So coming back to the subconscious, the good news is you're not only the actor, you're also the director. And this is where you can take the script and you can change it and you can start to change what happens in this season. That we're watching the show of you. This is a movie called You. And you've been this character up until now, but now you're the director. What's going to happen next? Is that person going to keep doing the same thing? Is there going to be a change? Is there going to be, you know, an event, a commitment, an active decision on something? And what does that turn into? Who could this character be in a year, five years, 10 years? So what does that look like when you transition and now you have this new identity, if you would, how long does that change take to reprogram and and switch towards, like you mentioned, season four, Breaking Bad to season five. How can you make that that change and how long does that take? Sure. So it really depends on the change you're trying to make. So I'll give you a couple of examples here. Something like if somebody has, uh, they've been smoking for a very long time, those kinds of habits, believe it or not, that's usually just one or two sessions to, to change that. 
that for whatever reason, people who come to me, it provided they want to, if they actually want to do this, uh, I can't go find a man on a, on a street smoking a cigarette and just go, you were going to stop. I can't just go and do that. Right. But if somebody comes to me, it would be funny, but it's, if somebody comes to me, right. And they and they want this change and they're like, I'm ready to do this. Let's do this. Right. Then there's already something happening beneath the threshold where they have some buy-in, they've got some skin in the game, they've invested in themselves. So that is one of those instances where you can make a pretty instant change. Mm-hmm. Other issues where this might be something lifelong related to their, their identity, something that's unpacked in their childhood. This is more of a, an, I call this, it's an onion where you got to peel back the onion where somebody comes to me with one issue and there might be something underneath the surface. So like they come to me, they've got sugar cravings that's getting in the way of their business, their relationships, their family, the stupid sugar craving. So we peel back the onion and say, okay, we took care of that. How's it eating? How's diet? Okay, way better. But then there's still something else. Well, what caused that? What did you feel in that moment that make you decide that you need that donut right then and there? Right. And then where did that come from? And you just keep following it back. So certain things are going to happen real quick, sometimes just a session. Other things are going to be ongoing. Okay. So over time, pretty much. And I saw something you mentioned about five minutes a day. What about the maintenance of that new mindset? What about the maintenance of what's going on? Because I mean, Mm -hmm. you could work out for 20 hours straight. You don't necessarily get the results after 20 hours for Mm -hmm. one hour a day. You're probably going to see more results in that chunked down approach in the all at once. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. You hit the, the nail on the head here. This is a muscle. There's a relaxation muscle. There's a, a trance muscle. There's a committing to new identity muscle. So let's say that somebody you know quits the smoking. The chances are overwhelmingly they won't do it again. But I'd still, usually this is where I would record something for them and you know listen to this recording, say 15 minutes. Before they hire me, I ask them, if you're serious about doing this, can you commit to listening to this for say 21 days? Because about how long it takes to, to get that habit pretty solid. So that's where you would want to have something of, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes a day, depending on what you're doing. So visualization is a very powerful way to do this. So creating it's, it only takes about five minutes a day with a strong visualization to start creating the change. So even without the help of a hypnotist, you can already start this give two methods actually one is is to do the visualization to see yourself so let's say it's a fitness goal if somebody closed their eyes i say to you okay close your eyes imagine you uh are about to take a bath or shower you see yourself there see your body if somebody identifies as overweight or obese on a subconscious level it doesn't matter what diet what exercise they have to change that image so when you start to visualize as this person like you want to give a speech or do public speaking and you're terrified, go visualize it, right? I visualize myself doing this podcast with you. So it feels familiar. So your, your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between a vivid imagination and reality. And when you do that on a regular basis, it starts to think, okay, I guess this is possible. Or, okay, I guess we're doing this now. I guess this is written into the character now, Right. So the first method would be visualization. The second one I say is super simple hack. It's called passive repetition. So, you know, can we all be hypnotized? People say, I don't think hypnosis will work on me. I don't think this is it. It's like um, all these commercials like the that have the jingles and the rhymes. 
for sure. I think the Folgers one got stuck in my head. Uh, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. So I did not decide that that's the best part of me waking up, but I've heard it. You know, you hear it a thousand times. It gets baked in there. Right. So so do the same thing for yourself. Here's the suggestion to you is get a audio program, get a recorder on your phone and speak out your new reality. I am this person. I make this much money. I do this. Say those goals as if they've already happened. Say them with great conviction about five minutes and listen to it. You don't even have to pay attention to it. You can put it in the car, go for a walk while you exercise. You do that every single day, at least five minutes a day. I guarantee you there's no way that you won't see change of some sort if you do that. I love it. We're coming up on our time here, Nick. I want to make sure that our listeners have a way to follow up with you and learn more about the power of the subconscious mind, how to access that, be more, I guess, susceptible to suggestion, (laughs) if that's really kind of the mindset to put ourselves in. How can they connect with you learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to get a hold of me is my website. Go to apexmindcoaching.com, A-P-E-X mindcoaching.com. I could also find me, uh, I'm on Facebook as Nick Gnosis, N-O-S-I-S. And if you want to know more about this, you're curious, love to answer questions. And if even if you are skeptical, then I really want to talk with you. So feel free to reach out one way or the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate that. And definitely I'll have those links down in the show notes for folks to, to grab. Nick, thank you so much for that thought process in terms of we probably stand in our own way when it comes to mindset and the productivity, the lives that we hope to have. It's all within our minds and that programming that we tell ourselves each and every single day. So finding someone who can kind of peel back layers of that onion, kind of reassess where our thinking might be on and off and help us get in the right direction, hugely valuable and helpful. So I appreciate your insights on that. I want to share some of the the tidbits you left along the way for folks that were listening, didn't have any, uh, maybe a pen or pencil with them and a piece of paper. Your mess is your message. Kind of learning that sometimes the things we need come about from us solving our own problems and that being the gift that we give to others in the world. My mind was the enemy for a lot of us. We kind of focus on the negatives. We don't we don't do that hard work of resetting and growing ourselves. And no one is here because life was perfect and everything worked out. Wherever we are, the room around us, if you're listening to us with your AirPods in and you're looking around and you're at the bus stop or you're you're on the train or the plane and you see that person sitting next to you, they didn't end up there because their lives were perfect and exactly as they wanted. So giving each other grace and understanding that's important. You're not only the actor, you're the director. We live through life uh, subconsciously and, and just kind of stepping through. And as I mentioned before on the start of the show, I, I said, hey, Nick, I'm skeptical when it comes to hypnosis. And a lot of us think of the traditional sense of snapping your fingers and barking like the dog. But it's so much more than that and how we behave each and every single day and the things that are programmed within us. And this is a muscle just because we're, we have a lot of things working against us every day. We need to work towards what we want every single day. So don't focus on the 20 hours all at once. Focus on the one hour a day for those 20 days to get the results that you want and speak out your new reality. Find out who it is you want to be. Lean into that. Look in the mirror and focus on that identity and 
imagine it so vividly that your body accepts it for reality and you'd be surprised at how quick it comes to you. Nick, thanks again. And to our listeners, thank you for making it to the end. As always, if you got value from this episode, share it with someone, pass it on, forward it, leave a rating, let us know how we're doing. And of course, subscribe to get a new episode each and every single week. If you love the episode and you love the podcast, you want to support on a monetary level, be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can hear more from Nick and some of the other guests that we've had on. And as always, folks, like we like to say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.